I drunkenly got a gym membership earlier this week. Drunkenly? Yeah, drunkenly. I was having drinks, and one of my coworkers <laughs> works out a lot, and I was kind of drunk already, and I was like, let's get one more. And he's like, no, I got to work out tomorrow. I'm like, dude, I'll go work out with you. But it was not the worst drunken purchase I've made in my life. Yeah, that was golden. I love I it. I like simplicity, and I like it to be very couples clean. All acted very simple. The matching couples. Oh, my Lord. I hate the matching couples. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I think I'm attracted to normal-looking women. Right, but that's not accurate. You have weird taste. Those are all things that most of us could really improve on. It's gonna, it's gonna vary wildly, if anyone listens at all. That's what I call interesting. No real substance? That's super interesting. Fascinating, almost. Welcome to While We're on the Subject, where we talk about what we talk about. Now, here's the show. Hi, Mike. Hey, John. Tell me, what's on your mind this week? I was reading earlier this week, and I came across an article that had this idea that has just kind of been spinning around in my head all week. Okay. And it was essentially a quote from this one professor a long time ago, who it is. It's not overly significant. But the quote was that historians are either splitters who are always making distinctions, or they're lumpers who make sweeping generalizations. And... This was just a really interesting idea to me. And like, it's funny because it's it's lumping people together, right? Like it's categorizing people in these two ah, huge groups lumping. in of itself. Gotcha. Not like the wood. You're definitely not lumbering. You're oh, lumping. no, not lumber. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah lumping. Okay, so um, people who lump things together. All right. And it was just interesting thing. Like, I know we had previously talked about lenses through which we view the world. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't described that or articulated very many examples of that very well. Mm-hmm. But this is just another one that I think is interesting that you can break people apart. And essentially everything that you do is either making a distinction between something or categorizing it together. And this is actually interesting because it just sounds kind of like a throwback to the very first episode of while we were on the subject when uh you were talking about china okay. and how most people like to lump it together you know but the truth is there's a lot of different stuff going on there there's a lot of distinctions a lot of variety yeah yeah know, very true ethnic and cultural differences that nobody thinks about and i guess you know it's not necessarily like historians doing this but you know, people. Well, and I think that's more my point, that it's everyone. Like, everyone does this kind of automatically. This is how you deal with information. That's true. And I think it's just interesting because lumping things together versus nitpicking, like, they're both valuable in different contexts. And you really have to think about what you should be doing. Like, when you're generalizing, you're trying to extract greater meaning from a large set of information you know what i mean Mm -hmm. you lose a lot of nuance but that is an important thing to be able to do like you can't think in a big way you can't think across diverse topics you can't make connections between different subjects without being able to generalize in some greater sense right but at the same time since you lose so much nuance when you're trying to understand things in a deeper way you really mm-hmm. have to be able to switch gears and engage in that nuance and, and understand the distinctions between everything, you know? Right. But I think nuance is something you develop the more you get into a particular topic or conversation, right? When you're just sort of breezing through things or having kind of like a superficial conversation about something, I mean, generalizations are just how people typically go about things right but this is what people get really angry with each other about in social conversations when people generalize too much about other people or right like stereotypes and things like that that's that's what people get annoyed with most i feel like yeah that's what i mean most people just have really superficial conversations and so with the superficial conversation all you get is something superficial out of it and so people generalize and they kind of do like sweeping stereotypes or They'll be like, well, this one yeah. thing is true for all these things. And if you're that, you're this. And if you're this, you're that. Because they don't have time to get into like, well, tell me more about why you hate Jews and love Muslims. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, or, nice. Let's jump. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's nuanced. <laughs> I don't know what people are like. Well, you're this, but you're also that. 
love Jews and Muslims but hate Christians. Uh, something. something. <laughs> oh, so you're man. not anti-religious. Uh, you're just anti-some religions. Yeah, sure. just two out of the three Abrahamic religions. That that's interesting. Um, Let's get into that. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. Generally, people are just like, "Oh, you hate Christianity? You must hate all religions." Well, I think it's more like saying you're a Republican, so you must hate immigration and hate taxes, and you you make a generalization yeah, that's much, that oh, that's you're you know, much parents example. must have been rich and like yeah, right. <laughs> like, I don't much... think a lot of people get into conversations and they're like, "Oh, you hate this religion and this religion, but not that one." Yeah, um, well, yeah, I'm tired. All right, midnight. I understand. No, no worries. So when you think about this concept of like splitters and lumpers. Mm-hmm. Which side of that divide do you think you fall on most? Do you tend to fi- try to find nuance in things, or do you tend to generalize and try to draw out greater meaning from comparing things that are wildly different? I would probably say I'm more of a splitter. Okay. Like, I think it really just depends. It's hard to say. This is just so... Are you one or the other? Maybe there's just like a mix of both. Well, yeah, I mean, I think... Like we were saying, you use both in different circumstances. Yeah. So it's going to be a mix of both. Yeah, like the Republican thing and not the weird mentioning the hatred of religion thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay, I I know we're all both some of the time, but which one would you say you are most often? So like you're you're a splitter most of the time? Like do you often find one of these more annoying in conversations? No, but I'll do the splitting thing. If there is generalization, and I'll be like, well, I don't know, because there's people like this, and not all people are the way that you're describing them. So if we really get into like more details about it, we can find you know distinctions. Mm. So maybe people get annoyed with me. Sure. Maybe. Okay. Because that happens a lot. Surprising amount of time. Like my girlfriend will get annoyed. She'll make a comment. I'll be like, well, I don't know. There's this thing, and she'll be like, shut up. I ain't got time for you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I definitely find that I think I am much more of a lumper. Okay. Like, I do find distinctions in things some of the time and point those out to people. Mm -hmm. But I think most of what I do in conversation or what I do most often is try to think about different things and find what's in common or find what meaning you can draw out of different situations that are seemingly unrelated, right? Mm. And that's obviously going to be lumping and I, I think what i get most annoyed by is splitters who when you're in a conversation when somebody's listening to you and they refuse to try to understand what you're trying to say and they just want to nitpick every little thing and you're like just just try to get the concept that i'm trying to get across like sometimes you're struggling in a conversation sometimes you're trying to get across a complex difficult idea and they just want to quibble with every little detail and every little distinction they can try to make it's like that's not that's not the point right it's not the, what we're doing here okay yeah i mean i guess in that context when you're just trying to get something across i probably wouldn't do it but i do find myself doing that a lot during our recordings you'll start talking about something i'll be like well there's this one way to look at it and you're like no michael no what are you doing that's not what we're talking about now that's true. You do it a little bit on the show. Yeah. yeah you are yeah. a bit of a nitpicker. But, you know, I think that also fits into the fact that with both of us, I think we play devil's advocate quite often. Mm-hmm. Like, I am always disagreeing with people just out of force of habit. Well, it's just for the sake Whether of Whether or not sometimes. I agree with somebody, I will tend to disagree with them in a conversation. Yeah. I think you get, like, some weird, I don't know what the word is, like, this really, like, I see it in your eyes when you do it. And it's like this almost like sadistic pleasure out of frustrating people by just disagreeing with them for the sake of it. <laughs> I don't think I do it just for the sake of it. Like, I, I disagree with people because I'm trying to find the edges of what they believe, right? Oh. So when you get into a discussion with somebody, you, you want to clarify their ideas. And the only way you clarify their ideas is by pushing back and, like, navigating around and disagreeing with them wherever you can to see what they can justify, see what they actually believe. You're probably right, but I don't know. That, that's just sometimes the, the way just... I do it. But you're right. Like, it does frustrate people sometimes. Sometimes we're just like, that's just what I believe, man. People don't like to have their beliefs threatened or questioned. That's true. I do find that difficult. But I'm totally on board with it when you do it. I feel like it serves a purpose for people because then it makes them really think, do they really believe 
what they think they believe. Yeah, like that's one of the valuable things about communicating with another human being, that they can question what you're saying and they can question your beliefs and they can question the premises beneath your beliefs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know very few people probably listening to this actually think about their conversations in terms of that's the value of my relationships. People can question my ideas and clarify my beliefs, but it's definitely one of the things that I value most. Yeah. And so he does it incessantly to literally anyone about anything. It's, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's what makes us better people. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's what I think makes us better people. Okay. Or at least I think makes me a better person. All right. And why do you think it makes you a better person? Are you sure that what you're doing is doing the right thing? Well, I think. See, when it happens to him, catches him off guard. No, it doesn't, because it happens to me a lot. When you do this to people, they tend to try to come back at you. But no, I I think it makes you a better person because having beliefs that have strong foundations is valuable. It makes you less fragile. It makes you more able to go out into the world and withstand storms and difficulties because the things you believe are strong and are valid and are correct or if not correct at least justifiable and if you don't have that like you see this with highly sheltered naive people a lot that they get hit with something that they didn't think was true but their entire belief structure was fragile and built upon this construct that their parents perhaps created when they were a kid and nothing they've actually believed is how the world actually works and that's that's just not a good way to to go through life because you could get smashed and have your entire world destroyed very easily which is not what you want yeah i don't think that's something anyone would want no you're right you don't want to smash people into the ground and shatter their whole world that's how you end up with serial murderers (laughs) yeah just depressed sad angry people yeah yeah, or televangelists. That's probably how you end up with televangelists. <laughs> you get extra fanatic. I don't know. It is funny how people respond when you do break apart one of their beliefs, though. Because some people just kind of retreat from something that they can't justify, and other people get even more vehement and angry and kind of petulant in their argument. Right. Yeah, I would agree. It's funny. Ever since we started speaking all the time before you went off to Korea and China and Ireland, and, yeah. and you, you know, you would do that to me often. You would like question anything that I believed or thought. And so mm-hmm. I started doing it to people. And I would say 90% of the time I get the petulant thing. Yeah. A lot of people will get pretty angry when you question their core beliefs. Yeah. Or even like pick at an argument they have about something. Like if you just go, well, how do you know that isn't fair? They'll be like, because it isn't. But why is it not fair? It's just funny. This is why I'm glad that we don't talk as much. This is why you're glad that you and I don't talk as much? Yeah, because then I do it to other people. <laughs> and I just frustrate You just have them. to be able to do it in a non-threatening way. I try You have to be able to gauge the signs. Like, I've been doing this to people for years, so, like, I... Yeah, you're much more skilled at it. start to see when people... Yeah, I can see when people start to uh, react badly and fly off the handle. And when you see that, you have to start pulling back a little bit because... Mm. It's not worth it in a lot of situations. Also, you start to identify the people who can have reasonable conversations about their core beliefs without throwing plates. Yeah, I don't know, but you're right. People definitely get really defensive about either things that they don't have underlying reasons Uh for or beliefs that are unjustifiable or things that they've just never thought about, that they've always believed. It's always been a core part of their worldview, but they've never actually thought about why they believe it. Mm -hmm. Those things people really struggle to have a conversation about, especially a conversation that actually questions those things, doesn't just explore them. It is always remarkable to me how defensive people get when all you're doing is asking them questions to try to understand their beliefs because there's this implicit questioning of the validity or accuracy of those beliefs, even though you're just trying to understand what they believe. And it's uh, counterproductive, I think. But I guess maybe they feel like their identity is being brought into question. Yeah. People do derive a lot of their identity from what they believe. You're right. That's hard to get around. 
I draw my identity from what I don't believe in. Well, well, that's the same thing. Drawing your identity from what you don't believe is is no no well, different than drawing your identity from what you do believe. <laughs> okay, I, I'm just saying, as much as you can, you should really separate your identity from what you believe, and separate your identity from your work, and separate. But then, how do we identify ourselves, then, John? That becomes the question, doesn't it? Yeah, like that's not an easy thing to do. I guess the way you go about things. Your temperament. Well, temperament would be part of it, but one of the core ways that I identify myself or one of the things I derive my identity from is this concept that you should always be improving yourself and that I am always striving to improve myself, that you treat people uh-huh. well and that you are not wedded to an idea, right? Like when, when one of your core attributes is that you're not wedded to ideas and you're willing to discard ideas if you find them convincingly rebutted, then you can move forward and not be so wedded to an idea, right? Like, but it's, it's difficult because that's not going to be everyone's identity. Not everyone wants to be that fluid. Not everybody wants yeah. to change. A lot of people really like static, stable lives. Like we've talked before about how reticent people are to change. It's a natural thing, I think, for a lot of people. That's true. And it's hard to get around. Hey, John, you want to talk about systems of unit of measurement? Yes, I do, actually. So we talked several episodes ago, I think, about number systems. Didn't we talk about that? I think we did. Last episode or the episode before last episode? I think it was two weeks ago. I don't know. I I struggle with keeping track of these things because they blur together rather quickly. That's fair. That's true. But, you know, we went through Roman numerals. We went through Arabic numerals and all of that. And talking about how those different systems allow for us to do different things more easily and allowed for the advancement of mathematics, mm-hmm. I think is valuable when you stretch that then to looking at our units of measure. So units of measure, I think, work in a similar way, except almost more explicitly, because units really do change what we're able to do science about. Okay. If that makes any sense. That was poorly stated, perhaps. No, how we do science about things. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> okay, the the bounds of science are limited by what you can measure. That makes more sense, yes. Okay. The units that we use change the ease of measuring different things. Mm, yes, we touched upon this. And calculating different things. Did we touch upon this? Yeah, with the bases, doing by tens or by twelves or by twos. Yeah, that's number bases, but it works in a similar way when you start to look at units, right? Because we talked a little bit about how Imperial has a system based upon like quarters and eighths, right? Mm -hmm. And so Imperial is like pounds and ounces and all of that, cups. And metric is a base 10 system, right? Because Mm -hmm. the French, when they created the metric system, were trying to standardize things. They created a base 10 calendar that had 10 months and all of that. It had 10-day weeks. It it was all... Silly French people. Right? Uh, Those weird Enlightenment French people. But the idea around it was to standardize everything and to break with old past traditions, right? This was around Mm -hmm. the French Revolution. The only thing that was kept on from that period of change was the units of measure because the calendar and the weeks and things, those were too ingrained in everything that people did. Whereas very few people actually, like it it was an obviously superior system. But what I've thought about a lot Uh is the fact that metric system, as much as everyone bashes on the U.S. for using Imperial. USA, USA. (laughs) As much as everyone talks about how great it is to use metric, the metric system is only marginally better than Imperial, and both of them are really pretty terrible. All right, John, enlighten us. What's the, okay. what's the right way to do this? Here's the fundamental issue. The fundamental issue is that we have a thousand different units that people use for different things. Right, Just off the top of our head, we could probably list a hundred within a minute or two, right? Ah, okay. I mean, someone could. Well, no, you can. Like, list all of the units you can think of, just real quick. Okay. Uh, ounces, pounds, mm-hmm. milliliters, yards. Yeah. 
right. et cetera. So right there, you, you've got several, right? You've got a bunch for electricity. You've got hertz and watts and ohms. I love and... ohms. <laughs> I like it as a word. Yeah, me yeah. too. It does feel kind of electric, doesn't yeah. it? So does hertz. Hertz just feels like the Z, I think. Yeah. Makes it really feel like electricity. Yeah. I do like those two in particular. But they did a good job with the like, electricity. I think the point is that we have a thousand names. Even when you look at something like meters, within meters, you have kilometers, mm-hmm. meters, centimeters, millimeters. You have a bunch of different units within that one kind of unit, right. subunits. Mm-hmm. And I think the point of all of this is to say that fundamentally in science, and when these were being created, we didn't have an understanding of this, but fundamentally in science, you only need like three or four things that you measure. Everything comes from three or four different things. Okay. So you need distance, Mm -hmm. so kilometers or meters or whatever you choose. You need mass, Mm -hmm. so kilograms or pounds or... Whatever. And you decide that too. Right. You do you decide what it is. But you need distance, you need mass, you need time. And I feel like you might need one more. Hold on. I knew I should have looked this up in advance. I mean, I feel like you also need volume and Well no, but see this is this is the point. Volume is just distance cubed, right? Alright, sure. So you have like cubic feet or cubic meters. Ah, okay, I see where you're going with this. Right, so all units above the base ones, and there might be one more that I'm not thinking of because I'm just drawing a blank, but everything on top of distance, mass, and time is based upon combining those in some different grouping. Mm. So you might think, oh, speed is something we need, but speed, like miles per hour, is just distance divided by time. Yep. You might talk about volume or area. That's just distance times distance or distance times distance times distance. Uh-huh. You talk about acceleration. It's it's the same thing. All of these things are based upon these several fundamental units. And an ideal unit system, instead of having a thousand different measurements and all of these different prefixes like kilo or milla or whatever it is, uh-huh. would just use these fundamental measurements in different combinations that's my premise okay i mean because there had to have been a point or there was a noticeable change in science where somebody had probably a very similar realization probably shared it with a lot of people and they may have all been in agreement don't you think they would have i don't know changed it then well i think a lot of this deals with momentum right and it's the same thing as what we were talking about with using base 10 Right. That everyone has always done it this way. And so changing it just seems like a lot of work. And so you talk about going back to the electric units, right? Like ohms and hertz and watts and all of that. Uh Like those were each invented by somebody. They were each discovered by somebody. And when they were discovered, they were not understood. No one really knew what it was. They were describing something that they could measure, but they didn't understand fundamentally what they were measuring. Okay, I see what you're saying. So over time, like all of these different measurements as people could measure different things came into effect and they gradually added on to each other. But over time, it became really convoluted, but it's Mm -hmm. hard to then change it and go back and get agreement from everyone to move in one direction. Like the fact that we moved to metric is still astounding to me. And it only happened because they cut off the king's head and changed everything about France. You know what I mean? And right. then they became so powerful with Napoleon conquering, you know, most of Europe, which Europe had all of the power back then, right. that they disseminated their system of measure. I mean, that's why the UK, which is essentially the only place that never lost a war to France during the Napoleonic era, mm-hmm. never used metric measurements, right? They didn't use it until a generation ago. And even now, they only partially use it. They have this weird hybrid system. Uh There was a unique situation where France had a revolution and then conquered everybody that got this change in units. And other than that, we've never seen that in history. But I think it would be extremely beneficial because the amount of time and energy and miscalculations people have by using different units of measure. And this is something that people note a lot with imperial versus metric, right? right? Like, I, I think there was, this, there was this big thing with NASA where one of our probes missed Mars entirely because somebody hadn't converted from 
miles to meters or something. That's embarrassing. It is embarrassing, but you could easily see how it happens. You're doing thousands of calculations all over the place with all of these different units. Forgetting to convert one unit will mess up everything. Okay. Whereas if you only used the three or four fundamental measurements, uh -huh. the three or four fundamental units, you would not have any conversions that you ever have to do. It would simplify things mathematically so much. Instead of figuring oh. out, oh, this is in hertz, how do I convert it to kilohertz? Or what side of the equation would ohms be on versus hertz or something like that? You can just look at the units and say, in the same way that we do with cubic meters, right? You have a meter. You immediately know what a cubic meter is. It's a meter times a meter times a meter. Yes. That's what a cubic meter mm -hmm. is, right? Like, it's simple. You can look at it and immediately see that. Mm -hmm. So how would you implement the system in other fields? Like, for example, all those electrical units of measurement. How would you use your distance, time, and mass thing? And, you know, like, how would you implement that in a way that would be universal for everyone to use, right? Like, that seems kind of... Difficult? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I was trying to think of a different word, something to really emphasize how nearly impossible that sounds to do. It's not actually that difficult. Okay, so let's just look at hertz because we're talking about electricity a little bit. Mm -hmm. So 100 hertz, right? If you're just going to look at 100 hertz. I'm looking. It means 100 cycles per second, right? Okay. So a cycle is like, like a wave. So it's a measurement of electricity, right? So if you have... A, a one wave from the highest point in the wave to the lowest point in the wave in a second, that would be one hertz. Uh -huh. All right. So it's really not different than saying waves per second or something like that. Right. Uh -huh. But when I say hertz to somebody that hasn't studied electricity thoroughly, they have no idea what it means. Right. So if you like, this is what I'm saying. If you use these simple units of measure, people can look at things and say, oh, I understand what that means. Obviously, if you study the material extensively and you work on this as a researcher, you will understand what these are. But even just the way si science is siloed is counterproductive, right? We were talking in the previous conversation about splitting versus lumping, right? right? Well, when you look at academic subjects and science and academic subjects broadly, uh -huh you see that things are highly specialized and highly split. Yes, very much so. Yeah, people don't often work collaboratively no. across different fields. And part of that is because it would be difficult even just dealing with the units of thinking about how things are done in electricity and like electrical engineering versus astronomical measurements or versus you know quantum mechanics or like wh right. whatever you're looking at the different areas the units people use are just radically different everywhere and if you brought these back into one more unified simpler system mm -hmm. it would be easier to work across boundaries and it would be easier to convert and one of the other problems that p people bring up with this mm -hmm. which i grant you i think of actually as a bit of a problem is the fact that a lot of the units in metric are designed to get rid of really small numbers or get rid of really large numbers. Oh, okay. Right? So you talk about a kilometer. Well, a kilometer is a thousand meters. Right? right. But if you say, oh, I need to go, I don't know, 18 kilometers and you want to only use meters, well, then you have to say, oh, well, I need to go 18,000 meters. Suddenly that becomes just harder to talk about. Right. And when you deal with small numbers, it's the same thing. Like if you're talking about, oh, that's two centimeters. Well, that's much easier to say than it is to say, oh, that's two-tenths of a meter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. it certainly is. Yeah, so that's a, that's a valid problem mm -hmm. that I see. But I think the solution to that is scientific notation. We already, we already have a solution to this. John came prepared to tell the science world that they need to get it together. <laughs> I did, I did. So scientific notation, for those of you who don't know, is this thing where you would have, let's say, you have a number like 4,000. Another way to write 4,000 with scientific notation is you could say 4 times 10 to the third. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's 4 times 10 to the third power, which is 4,000. Now, that sounds like a mouthful, and it, it is. It does. 
But that is a good way to write really large and really small numbers, and that's what people use right now for a lot of really large and really small numbers. Like we have this unit in chemistry called moles, which is essentially a way to convert grams into the number of atoms in those grams, right? So one gram of... That just, that seems, I don't know. Confusing? Yeah. Yeah, so like if you have one gram of hydrogen, that means you have one mole of hydrogen. But mole is the number of essentially atoms in a gram. Right, right. No, right, so... No, I mean, I it just seems... Like, it made sense when you said it was still just seems kind of complicated even though it yeah, makes sense sure. I, I don't i don't know how to describe that yeah it, it just seems like you have to actually think about it it's not immediately obvious right but i think the idea is like with that you use like the number that is a mole is so large that people always use scientific notation for it mm-hmm. But I, I think you would also have to change scientific notation so that it was easy to write and easy to say. Instead of saying four times 10 to the third, mm. you would have to say like 4S and S just means scientific notation. 4S3, if you said that, right? right. Like then you would know that's four times 10 to the third. Mm-hmm. Um, or you do 4S negative three, and that would be four times 10 to the negative third. Something like that to make it faster and easier to say. Oh. But there are easy reasonable ways to deal with really large or really small numbers and just saying nano in front of something. Very few people actually understand how a nanometer relates to a meter. No one knows that. And it makes it harder for the general populace to understand science and understand what everyone is talking about when they're talking about how things are measured. I don't know. I think if people started using things like 4S3, that would just sound like a different kind of jargon, you know? Right, and I get that. Initially, it would. But everyone knows meters and kilograms, right? Uh And that's because they grew up learning those things. And while this wouldn't be great for all of the uninformed people who are already 50 or 30 or something like that who never used this system, if people learned it in school, it would be obvious and easy. Okay. Whereas no one used nanometers in school. Right. You know what I mean? Like... Right. That wasn't a thing you actually measured in school. That's too small and detailed of a measurement. Right. And the other problem is that nanometers is only useful when you're measuring distance. Whereas like when you're talking about 4S3, scientific notation, if you used it in this way, would be used when talking about everything. A kilometer would become, you know, uh, 1S3 meters. And I know that still probably sounds convoluted and difficult, but... If you got used to it, it would be relatively simple, or at least dramatically simpler and easier than what we have today. Okay. This is my premise. I I know that a lot of people obviously just don't uh, buy into this wholly. Yeah, I'm not sold. I think it's useful to think about, though, because... No, I agree with you there. Things don't have to be as complicated as they are. That's true. And a lot of this stuff grew up over time and is not the way it should be. Like, I think... Over time, things gradually get messy and get complicated. And after we've moved forward a lot, we should look back and say, well, how can we make this more systematic and easier to grapple with now that we know so much more than we did when we built the system? Right. See, this is why I keep John around, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) because he's always trying to find new ways to make things simpler. Yeah, well, it's important. And see, he sees the value in units of measure. Who would have known? Okay, last topic. Feedback or electoral systems? What do you think? Mm. Let's go with feedback. I mean, you've been thinking about that one for a while, so you'll be more engaged. It'll have me more engaged. Okay, so the last thing I wanted to touch on today was feedback. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a thing that I've been thinking about a huge amount for a couple years now, but especially in the last six months, let's say. I was going to say six months, but I didn't want to cut you off. (laughs) I think you know, and I think everyone listening knows how important feedback is to me. Mm -hmm. But as you get better at something and start to appreciate the importance of something, it's important to start developing 
nuance and understanding how to utilize a tool, I guess is how I want to put it. I know I'm, I always make things a little more complicated than they need to be. You use the word nuance a lot today. Yeah, I really have. So let's start with why feedback is important. All right. Okay. Just, just as a base level. Mm-hmm. So for you, do you value feedback? Like it's a, yeah. it's a core part of for me, the way I live my life. I make an effort to always tell people at work if there's anything I can improve on or if there's anything mm. that they think I'm doing well, even that, just like good, bad feedback, just something to let me know where I am doing well, where I could be doing well. It just helps yeah. me kind of organize how I perform. Yeah. At the most fundamental level, that is the importance of feedback, that it's extremely difficult to improve consistently over a long period of time without some sort of external entity telling you how to improve, telling you where your flaws are, because you very quickly eliminate the flaws that you can obviously see yourself just thinking about things right. by practicing or by doing whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. But you need that external evaluation in order to improve consistently over a long period of time. Definitely. I so yeah, it, it like at, the, at this beginning, it, it, it makes really a lot of sense and it's very important to pursue feedback. Mm-hmm. because people don't necessarily react well a lot of the time if they're provided feedback. And so people won't give it unless you actively ask for it. Yeah. I, I usually try to make an effort to ask for feedback. Yeah, which is good. And I think that's where I got to a few years ago, mm-hmm. where I was trying to just get feedback from people on everything I did mm-hmm. so that I could figure out how to optimize and improve everything I did. Right. That's definitely a good starting place. Um, it improved my life at the time. But what you start to see over time of doing this mm-hmm. is that not all of the feedback is very valuable. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And at first, I just thought, oh, well, some people aren't very good at giving feedback. Like some people aren't very thoughtful. They don't pay that close attention, you know, whatever it is. I also think that there's just some people that are like, oh, they just want to hear they did a good job. True, 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 true. Some people think you're digging for a compliment, sure. But I think there is more power in the person who wants the feedback than I originally understood. Okay. When you're asking someone for feedback, Mm -hmm. this is something that I've found in the last few months especially. What you're asking for needs to be more specific than just feedback. Oh, yes, definitely. This is something that I encountered a lot in like writing forums Mm. and talking to people who are working on novels because I've beta read one or two for feedback because it gets really important and these people have been working on these stories for a long time start asking for very specific feedback because they want these things to be a very particular way so like what kind of feedback have you seen on those forums that's an interesting area i've never been on they'll want to know if the way the character's dialogue is like if it's realistic or if the interaction seem organic they'll want to know if this character's motivations seem legitimate, they'll ask if the plot leads the story in a way that makes sense. Like, they're very particular. They're not okay. like, oh, what did you think of the story? Did you like the beginning? Did you like the end? No, it's like, these yeah, particular sure. things, are they where I want them to be? And it Well, and it's interesting because the way you describe some of those things, I think, are good. And so, the way you describe some of those things, I think, are bad. Because w- one of the difficulties is you want to focus people on what you want feedback about, right? Mm -hmm. Like, let's say you were writing a story. Well, you want to maybe ask somebody, well, how is the readability? Is it easy to read? Is it difficult to read, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't want to narrow their options of response. So you don't want to be like, is this character believable or not believable, right? Because that too much provides the answer for the person providing feedback. Like, to the extent possible, you want to allow that person to surprise you, right? The most valuable thing about feedback, or one of the most valuable things about feedback, is that it can provide you information that you could not have found yourself. Right. So you don't want to limit them with possibilities that you have in your mind, but you want to make it specific. I mean, I think generally, in those particular regards, it's because these people have had it read and reread, and they've edited and re-edited, and they got to a point where there's things that I think they feel they have accomplished, and then there are things they're still not sure are on the path that they want it to be. And so I think that's when it becomes particular like that because they probably answered some of their own 
questions at that point. Sure. I guess what I'm just saying is like you brought up dialogue and somebody saying whether or not this dialogue is believable. Mm-hmm. I think the way you ask that is very important mm. when you're thinking about these okay. things. And this, this is what I'm talking I about, see. where like you, you come at it and you say, well, can you tell me what you think of the dialogue? Right. As opposed to saying, do you think this dialogue is believable or not believable? Right. Because that gives them a binary option that doesn't allow for the creativity right. and uh, right. new information that the person could be providing. Generally, I think that's how they would word it. But I think I was thinking more like, is this person's motivations legit? And I, sure. instead of saying, is the dialogue believable, I just mix them up. But like generally, I think they tend to ask them. But it, it allowed for a good point. Like I don't really care about no, these people and how fair. they actually are doing it. All right. But like the, the point is that I think it's easy to fall into either being too general and just saying, hey, can I have feedback on this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like when we've shared this podcast with people early on and we ask people for feedback. We still want it, by the way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everyone, please uh, send us emails, send us any sort of feedback you want to give us because we are eager for feedback of all sorts. But I think it's important when you're having these conversations with people and you ask them for feedback, well, asking them for feedback about specific things is valuable because like if we're trying to figure out if the content is good right that's different than trying to figure out if our recording quality is good or to figure out if the length seems good Mm -hmm. or to figure out anything else that is specific like there are a lot of different aspects of anything that you do and putting the person who's providing you feedback in the right mindset to give you the information that you need is how you make sure that they are good at providing you feedback. Mm. If you just give them a blank canvas, which is what I used to do. Right. Because I didn't want to limit what they would tell me. They might tell me something that surprised me that I hadn't thought about, about, you know, a part of the thing that I thought was good. And so I used to leave it too open. And I think narrowing that scope while leaving the space for creativity is a valuable thing to do. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I got you. But something else that I've been trying to do for a long time, Uh because... I don't always share my work with everyone. Like I, sh- I often keep things to myself. Right. And just there are lots of things that would not be easy to share in life. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about your fitness, let's say you run every day. Right. Well, getting feedback on your running is only really possible if you have someone else there to give you feedback, right? Like it, it would be very difficult to actually have <laughs> someone to do that. <laughs> You're not going to hire a coach. I mean, maybe you would run with somebody uh, all the yeah. time. But, like... but now it just makes me think that like you ran for like 30 minutes and you go up to someone and you're like, I ran for 30 minutes. What do you think about that? Okay, so... <laughs> right. Um, I'm sorry. That's not, just yeah. I, that, I mean, I know that's that not what you Perhaps meant. not be effective. Yeah, it's just... But like, you know, on your form or on how you're breathing or... Like any anything that you might have. Or or to take right. an example that we actually do, because neither of us, I don't think, really run. Like when you're practicing music, when you're practicing an instrument, uh-huh. it's useful to have a tutor or a coach or an instructor of some sort who can break down and give you feedback. But to the extent that you can't pay for that or you want feedback all the time when you can only pay for that for a short period of time, right. you need to figure out ways to provide yourself feedback. This is something I've been trying to refine since like 2014, figuring out how to give yourself feedback about everything you do so that you can figure out where you want to go with things Mm -hmm. and figure out how to determine for yourself whether or not you're going that direction. That is, I think, an important thing, and it's a a difficult thing. It's much easier now with smartphones than it was a long time ago. And, and this is where I started tracking routines right. and everything that we're talking about with time tracking uh-huh. and things like that. Like a big reason that I do that sort of stuff is to try to provide myself feedback and say, well, how consistently am I running or practicing or something like that? Mm-hmm. And it's why, like we talked about the other day, I w- so much wish when I was younger that I would have recorded myself more practicing right. like tuba yeah. so that I could have heard it and really gone through and rated different aspects of it and really Uh you know given myself feedback right but yeah using the writing example yeah you know something that i do now because i learned this from lurking around forums is that a lot of people will write something and they'll put it away and they'll 
spend more time writing and getting better at writing and practicing writing. And they'll go back to something that they wrote, you know, six months ago or a year ago and look at it with fresh eyes after they've proved in a noticeable way. And they'll see a lot of like mistakes they probably wouldn't have noticed without putting it back and practicing for that period of time and then going to the story and seeing where they can improve. Yeah, absolutely. Like for writing, that is a great way to Mm -hmm. do things. And I mean, I think that applies to all sorts of stuff. Like for this podcast, one of the things that I intend to do, like obviously I go through and rate and review every one of our shows as it's going out so that we can, you know, reflect on it and see if we get better and figure out ways to improve what we're doing. But I also intend to do a second round of that when we get to like 20 episodes or something like that and go back to the beginning Mm -hmm. and start to go through and rate and review them with that longer view, right? To see your growth, to see how things have changed. And obviously it's different from writing because they wouldn't be looking at the final product when they're doing this, right? They would be editing it. Uh But I think that's useful in all sorts of situations to go back and look at what you did a long time ago. Mm Because you were a different person. You were in a different place when you did that work. Right. And sometimes there are really good things from that period that you've lost. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know as you go through something like what we're doing and you get better and you get kind of cleaner and maybe more professional, right. you also lose things. You lose that new exuberance. You lose that wild and creative impetus that you had right, right at the start. And so going back and viewing that again can sometimes be useful for shaking you up from where you are now as well. That's true. Yeah. I would be inclined to agree with you there. Now, something I'm not sure where I stand on, and I I just want your thoughts on uh-huh. it, is how do you feel about getting one-time feedback from people versus getting consistent feedback from somebody? So this is kind of the concept of a mastermind or having somebody that you work with consistently to give you feedback kind of like a coach i guess right i think versus just asking random people so generally i would be under the impression getting regular feedback from someone who's Mm. either got a lot of experience or knowledge about the thing that you want feedback on yeah but i also don't see anything wrong from getting one-time feedback sure because maybe even if they're not as experienced or as knowledge they might give you a perspective or they might notice something that maybe someone else wouldn't notice and then you know just having people who have different perspectives who see things differently like you might just find someone who has a way of looking at things that might the kind of individual who you want to hear from if that makes sense that's true thinking about who your audience is Mm -hmm. for a given piece of work and finding someone who actually fits that audience rather than somebody who maybe knows uh, the industry well or knows how to do whatever you're doing well, Uh but is not at all somebody who would consume that piece of content. Right. Yeah, you're you're right. Finding the right person is valuable. And and I think that's an important thing to put out generally is choosing the right people to provide you feedback is extremely important Uh because the mindset of the person giving you feedback needs to be correct as well. Right. Like not only do you need to frame things right and put things in a certain light Mm -hmm. so that they can provide you good feedback, but they really need to want to give you good, positive, constructive, impactful feedback. If they either just rag on you or just give you bland compliments, like there's no value to that at all. Right. No, I'm, I'm very much on board with that. Yeah. Yeah. Generally when I ask anyone to look at something or to, read something of mine or even just to listen to this Mm -hmm. sometimes people are just kind of like oh it was okay or i liked it i'm just like it's not what i asked you for (laughs) yeah it's not what i said this is why it's so valuable to be explicit when you are asking someone like that i don't want you to just listen to this i want information yeah sometimes i tell people i'm like if you need to be mean do it rip into me don't don't tell me nothing be mean if you're gonna tell me something and you have nothing good to say be mean don't just give me nothing. And if you yeah. have good things to say, great. Well, and this is where I think it is valuable to frame things pretty clearly and explicitly. When I've asked people for feedback about the show, I've asked about a couple different areas specifically, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you also want to say, what was the worst thing? Or what should we cut out? What should we eliminate? Right. What things should we not do? And that forces them to, even if they want to be nice, even if they haven't really thought about uh-huh. it and don't have anything particularly good to tell you it forces them to think about, well, this thing at least wasn't great. Mm -hmm. 
and it forces them to tell you something without feeling bad about it right. because you know that's what you, exactly what you're asking for uh-huh. because you're right so many people just don't take feedback seriously like i don't think many people really want feedback it's in the same light as what we were talking about before in terms of people don't want their beliefs to be questioned right. people don't want their work and stuff that they do to be analyzed and critiqued people just don't generally like it Sometimes I even get subconscious telling people like, oh, yeah, I have a podcast that's out there that's available. People I know, you know, in person, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I do a podcast. And they're like, oh, really? No way. What's the name of the podcast? And I'll be like, oh, it's what? Oh, it's (laughs) (laughs) it is an uncomfortable thing to say to someone and to like talk about with people. Uh Like I had a conversation with one of my girlfriend's sisters Uh who has been listening. <laughs> and I just I had no idea that she was listening. Oh yeah, it's Joanna. You've met her. Oh, you, you know her. Oh god, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So cool. I and I had no idea she had been listening and we were just having dinner over at her house and she started talking to me about it. And I was like, "Oh, this is cool, yeah. I guess." Like, I mean, it it obviously is cool and it was nice and everything, but it's odd. Yeah. Like it's it I it's hard to talk about, I guess. Yeah. Like and it's much easier when you go to someone and ask for feedback than it is it's just, when it's unsolicited. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, oh no, you've been listening to this without my knowledge. That's great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate yeah. it, but also don't talk to me about it. <laughs> well, and obviously that's that's going to happen, yeah. right? Like one of our longtime mutual friends, Matt, was on a call with me recently, and. He was talking about how he's listened through most of them and, you know, was giving me all of this feedback and getting hit oh, with I'd the... like to hear that, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you his feedback. But yeah, like, I mean, you really have to when when it, when you're getting unsolicited feedback at a time that you didn't expect to get it, you have to really guard yourself to be ready for it and to take advantage of it. Yeah, You don't always get to plan. You don't always get to be prepared for good things that happen mm-hmm. and valuable things that happen. And so it's really useful to know how to get into the right mode right so like if somebody suddenly switches into kind of giving you feedback you want to be able to switch in yourself and say i'm ready to get this like you know how to change your mind to be open to it to be welcome to it to not be resistant yeah that's what he said Uh uh-huh uh-huh okay sorry thanks for that sorry i couldn't help it yeah i mean but you're right this is something i'm working on trying always to work on it but yeah, going back to that that whole having a coach type thing or having somebody that you get consistent feedback from, uh-huh. like that's something I've been seeking out a little bit more of late. Any luck? Um, yeah, I have a couple people who give me pretty consistent feedback, but like scheduling so that you have at least two kind of meetings a month to really go through things is not always the easiest. Uh-huh. And figuring out how to build a relationship so that they are coaching you or, or providing you consistent detailed feedback right. that is a fair amount of work for the person providing the feedback so making sure that you're trying to make it worth their while as well is not always the easiest mm-hmm. but it's something that i think is extremely valuable and I've, I've been so focused for the last few years on trying to figure out how to give myself feedback that i've neglected that side of it and i think the relationships around it like i i'm on this other podcast ntl and we talk a lot about our work and things that we do for work. And one of the things that my co-host on that show is involved in is a mastermind. And masterminds are these things that I've heard about a lot over the last few years, and I've never been involved in one. But building relationships around this sort of thing, working relationships around improving yourself, Uh like that is a valuable thing, I think. And it's not something that I've put enough time and energy into. And so I think going forward, yeah, that's something that I'm focused on trying to develop a little bit more. Yeah, so I don't know. We should talk about that in the future masterminds. Yeah, we should definitely go into them once I figure them out a little bit more. Yeah. I'm going to get into this too. Yeah, you should. Better and faster than John will. (laughs) Good, then you can educate me about it once you uh, figure it out. Jeez, I set myself up for that one, I guess. (laughs) Well done. It's exciting. (laughs) One month from today, I'll be expecting it. Mm, I'll disappoint you. (laughs) Okay. Good times. Okay, should we wrap this up? Mm-hmm. So, thanks for listening, everybody. Yes. You can find our show notes, as always, at subjectradio.com slash WWOTS slash 015. And so we'll have anything that we talked about today on there. And if you like the show, 
tell somebody about yes. it. Spread it around so that we can but reach more people. Please don't give us any unsolicited feedback. <laughs> just kidding yeah no that would be the worst there is on subjectradio.com a place where you can give us feedback and fill in a form tell us things if you hate us if you love us Uh we'd love to hear from you yeah you can also tweet at us you can Uh at underscore wwots or you can reach me at my personal twitter at john jam rob i also have a twitter but i don't remember the handle well you don't use it do you yeah i'm like i don't i don't ever see you on there All right, so I'll see you next week, Mike. Yeah, see you then. Okay, bye. Bye. Cool. Yeah, very good job. Good job to you. Yeah, I was talking to myself. Thank you. Oh, nice. problem i see and let me try to come up with this really crappy solution i think it's a good solution but i mean maybe i don't what do i know i don't know anything well (laughs) like you you know that you think it's not a good solution yeah but i'm not well versed enough in units of measure to to be right or wrong about that sure yeah but can i just like just looking at you you must at least see that on the simplest level it's useful oh no no i agree with that like you had me sold for like the first three quarters of the thing and then for the last quarter of it yeah i was like i'm out i was in yeah like i i thought you're gonna stop a lot earlier and i was gonna be like well i'm sold ladies and gentlemen let's let's convert the world and then you started talking about that other last quarter of it and i was like "Ah, i'm out I can't be yeah well at, at least at least the the low-hanging fruit would be useful it's like ships use knots getting rid of knots and just using the same units that we use on land i would be on board with that those sorts of things yeah. that are just like really low-hanging fruit yeah are like no one who's not a worker on a ship understands what knots means get rid of it yeah it's not useful if you tell me a ship's going at 20 knots, that means nothing. Yeah. So, like, I'm what's like, the point? Is that the speed measure, no of which an individual can tie knots? Because that does not sound very fast.
Yeah, no, that's that's no good. Do you know where Knots actually comes from? Go. Shoot. It comes from back in like the, I don't know, 1600s, let's say. Back when people were exploring the world mm-hmm. with sailing ships, they would have these long ropes with knots tied on them mm-hmm. at a certain distance. And it was when you let out like a weighted rope behind the ship, how quickly the knots pulled out. So if you're going 20 knots, that means 20 knots were pulled off the ship uh, during a like a, a minute time period or whatever that doesn't even sound like it makes sense okay i mean well i mean it, it, it like when you think about a sailing ship in the middle of the ocean in like the 1600s how would they measure speed it does like that makes sense as a rough approximation right yeah. like you can see if you're moving faster or slower with that I guess. You drop a rope with an anchor out the back and see how many how much of the rope gets pulled off but it doesn't make sense if you're trying to compare that to how fast planes move or how fast cars move or (laughs) anything like that. It's true. I mean, you just put a little speedometer on a boat now and you know. Yeah. It's a silly anachronism, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. the sort of thing that grew up over time. And now looking at the world, we can eliminate it because it is pointless and useless and should not be the way things are done. I'm back on the train. Uh, Good. I'm glad I I went back over. I know I got convoluted with scientific notation. Yeah, but... If we're taking out things like knots, I'm in. In start, start there. We'll work our way up. Yes, yes the yes. revolution I think, I think is imminent, be the goal. my friends. <laughs> uh, yes, one step at a time. One step at a time. 